All right, Tim Blankenship here again with the Divorce 661 Daily Perspective, episode 19 for Monday, October 30th, 2023. Real quick, and what we're doing with these videos, if if this is your first time uh, joining us, going over uh, what I do, clients I helped, uh, cases that we handled, where they came from, and how we helped some of our clients out. Uh, Friday, I missed Friday. So Friday is going to be our weekly recap. And I'm going to go over that quickly since I skipped that Friday, then I'll get into what's going on today. So last week we handled uh, 23 consultations in all. Uh, 11 new divorce cases were filed uh, to include Riverside, Santa Clara, Contra Costa, Orange County, LA County, San Diego County, Yolo County, Sacramento County, and Alameda County. Uh, Eight cases were new cases starting from the very beginning and three cases were uh, clients that had filed their paperwork, had trouble and asked us to take over because they were getting rejected item issues. Um, We also had six uh, divorce cases approved by the court. So this would be totally approved, finalized. They're they're completely done. Um, I completed uh, 11 judgments. Uh, They are now being turned into court. This was all last week. And then I drafted 12 settlement agreements for clients who got me their terms. Today, today was also extremely busy. Uh, Mondays are usually busy. Last Friday was very busy. but you just never know what day is going to be busy and what days not. I thought there was uh, some days that were more busier than not, but it, there's no real pattern here. So today, here's what we had going on. Um, three consultations uh, today, uh, new cases that were filed. We had several new cases we filed. Riverside County, we are able to e-file those now. And this was at the Hemet Court. I e-filed two LA County divorce cases today uh, for clients living in Santa Clarita and oh, by the way, I wanted to say this, and this is why I wrote this down. Both of these e-file cases I did uh, for LA County, one I got back uh, e-filed in six minutes and the other one was e-filed in nine minutes. And that's a huge difference from say like Riverside or any other court we can e-file just the petition. Like Riverside, I filed one on Friday. I still haven't got it back. Uh, today's Monday, not even an indication that it's in processing. Whereas with LA County, two cases, these two cases I filed, I e-filed for LA County. They again, I got filed copies of the petition in uh, six and uh, nine minutes, so it's crazy. And then I filed a Santa Cruz case today. We're able to e-file that. Uh, They only allow e-file on the petition, and then the judgment uh, has to be mail filed, like the remainder of other counties. Uh, judgments I prepared today. I finished three LA County judgments today. They were completed out to clients for signatures. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, oh, and then judgments I took over today. So this would be people that call and hire us to take over for them. We had a case out of Torrance uh, for LA County and a Contra Costa rejected judgment that they hired us to finalize their paperwork. Okay. So the next segment is now that we've done the recap is kind of go over uh, what I did and and uh, cases I took on to kind of explain whenever I handle a case, uh, there's usually something of note that's interesting to know. So um, here we go. Number one, two cases I took over today, they had filed their 160s. And you know, you um, you shouldn't do that uh, for public record purposes. So if you've heard me say it once, you hear me say it a million times. If you have a, a default with agreement, you and your spouse are amicable do not file the property declarations. These are the 160s where you list all your assets, all your debts, account numbers, vehicle information, all the values. In my opinion, way too much information. The court does not need that when you are filing for divorce. So 
it appears that the issue is a lot of you are using, and this is my next topic, a lot of you are using that guide and file that's uh, it's free through the courts and it forces you. So what I, I was wondering why so many people were turning in these uh, the property declarations and through the guide and file. So I signed up for that to see what, what you guys are up against. It forces you. It's not an option. If you say there's assets and debts, it's forcing you to complete these property declarations. And the reason I say don't turn, don't do these property declarations is because if you list anything you list on these property declarations and then you then file those with the court, let's say you don't finalize your divorce for a, a few months and then the assets change or the values change. You have to still address any asset or debt that you listed in those property declarations. Now the court's going to compare your settlement agreement to the property declarations to make sure everything is matching up. Let's say you listed a bank account on here that you now closed because during the process, you and your spouse decided to close that account. And then you, so of course you won't list that on your settlement agreement, right? Because it no longer exists. The court will reject your judgment because they said, Hey, you listed this account on your property declaration, but I don't see it on your settlement agreement. And that's why I hate for a hundred other reasons, the property declarations, they cause so many issues in having your judgment rejected even if you're in agreement, because they will match those up. So don't use the guide and file. If you're going to start your divorce on your own, just, you know, of course, I'd, I'd love for you to use me from the very beginning, but half our business comes to us where clients have already filed. The guide and file seems like a good route. It just forces those property declarations. And for that reason, I don't, I don't like that service. Um, so that was number one. And number two, number three, settlement agreements will supersede requests in the petition. So if you file your petition and you make a mistake that would not be an error as far as causing your judgment to be rejected, then you don't have to amend your petition. So let me give you an example. Let's say you file your petition and when you file, you 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 put on spouse support that you want uh, spouse support. But then when you guys go to finalize your agreement, you guys decide you don't want spouse support. In that case, you would not have to amend your petition and put no spouse support because the judgment or the settlement agreement will supersede the, the petition. It's not a mistake to ask for it and then later change your mind. Same thing for any of your other requests. If you say, I want uh, full legal and physical custody on the petition, but then you guys talk and you decide that you want to have joint legal and physical custody, then your settlement agreement would just be drafted to say joint legal and physical custody. And the, the court's not going to refer to the petition. Of course, we're talking about in cases where there is an, it's amicable, it's default with agreement and or an uncontested case where a response was filed, but you guys are now in agreement. Number four, um, how to modify your judgment uh, or terms of agreement. Um, if you have a finalized divorce case and you want to modify some term, it could be anything. It could be having a different uh, spouse support amount. It could be terminating spouse support. It could be uh, there was no spouse support and now you guys agree to spouse support. So anything that you guys agree to can be simply modified by uh, signing essentially a stipulation that will modify or change the terms of your agreement. We file a handful of those every month, people um, changing terms, um, updating things that you know they want to update because something's changed, maybe incomes have changed or they want to change a custody schedule or something like that. Most of the time, the first thing I'll ask you is, is this really something you need to have part of a court order? 
or is it just something you guys can, you know, write on a piece of paper, an email, a handshake, whatever, just, you know, if you're amicable enough, you know, there's not many things you really need to modify unless it's going to be monetarily like child support, spouse support. You may want to update that. So there's accurate records there with the court, especially if it's going through child support services. Uh, but if it's just uh, uh, something that you um, agree on that, you know, Hey, we had a very strict custody schedule and we're changing it from a Tuesday to a Wednesday. Well, I don't, personally think that's something you need to change. Keep in mind, the purpose of having a settlement agreement or a judgment or a court order is that if there is a disagreement, then you can take that to a judge and say, hey, this was our terms and he or she is not following it. So that would be the reason you'd want to update that. Hold on one second. So. All right. Dog wanted to come in the room here. All right. Where are we at here? All right. Okay, next subject. Child support withholding orders are not required. Plus there's two. Okay, so what I'm talking about here is the child support withholding orders. You'll notice on page one, I believe it is, of the FL 180, the very bottom of the page, it says, there's a box that says, if there's children involved, that the, this child support withholding order um, will, will be completed and uh, you know, I'm talking about two different things. We have the child support withholding order, um, and it's basically the notice and rights of the minor children. This is the form where you're having to put in driver's license, social security numbers of you and the children. I've talked about this in the past. But the specifically the withholding order, when you look at the child support order uh, of part of the judgment, the 342, uh, if you're using the forms for your prop, uh, for your child support, in there, there's a box that says, it's not even a box you can check. It just says a child support withholding order will be issued. The courts are not mandating that. And I probably have only filed one of those in 11 years. Uh, the courts are not requiring those be submitted in most cases. I'll say 99% of the time because there's always a red herring here or there. So um, don't turn that in. If they force you to turn it in, I think we had like the Pomona Courthouse maybe two years ago say, we're not going to file your judgment until you turn in the withholding order for child support. And so we did, and they signed the order, so it would be withheld. But then we're just not going to forward it to the employer. So um, there's also ways around that either way. All right, so next subject is um, Sacramento. So one of the settlement agreements I drafted uh, today was a Sacramento case. And where I generally like to use the forms, LA County, I use the forms almost exclusive, exclusively. I'm talking about the judgment forms uh, the 180, 190, 341, 235, et cetera. Um, and, but many of the other courts, they, they either won't allow the total use of the forms or they want it to be a combination of the forms. So for what I did for this case, it was, it was children, assets, debt, spouse support, the whole, the whole shot. So I will include the, some of the forms, but then I will create a settlement agreement for the remainder of them. And generally what that will look like is I will use the 341, custody order, the 342 spouse support order, and sometimes the 343 spousal support order. Um, so I think I said spousal twice. So custody order, 342 child support order, 343 spouse support order. Uh, but in this case, what I used is the, the custody order and the child support order. And then I didn't use the property order or the spouse support order. I put that into an actual settlement agreement uh, because this court, Sacramento, wants there to be some form of a 
MSA style agreement. So we'll have the forms because it covers all the legalities of, you know, the, they have jurisdiction over the kids and all that. So you don't have, if you are doing it, your own divorce, your own settlement agreement, there's going to be language in there. You're not going to know to include in your judgment or your MSA. So it's going to cause it for rejection. That's why I like to use the forms to get those, that legalese in there. And then the settlement agreement will generally just address spouse support if there's going to be some or not, and then the division of assets and debts. Speaking of assets and debts, uh, we had a case today where, um, I'm trying to think where this was out of, maybe Contra Costa, I forget, but the um, wife wanted to keep the house and didn't have the cash for the buyout, didn't immediately want to do a refinance because of the interest rates and asked, can she use her 401k to equalize or as part of the buyout. And so that's what they ended up doing. They used a certain amount of her 401k as a buyout. We're going to be doing a quadro on that to move that money over to the spouse's name. And then the difference will be done with uh, cash on hand to, to handle that um, equalization payment or that buyout of the house. Keep in mind, that's not going to always work for everybody because let's say in this case, the husband wanted the full $200,000 to be able to go out and buy a house He's not going to have that available to him because if he does the 140,000 that was going to, or 160,000 that's coming from the quadro, if that gets transferred into his name tax free uh, without penalty uh, because it's not considered a withdrawal when it goes to the quadro process. But if he then uses that money for a down payment on a house, then he's going to be taxed and penalized and all that good stuff. So it's a good, it's a good tool to be able to equalize your assets and debts or for a buyout if it makes sense, you know, for both parties. All right. And I forgot to mention that uh, in the beginning of this video, the new segment has now been turned into uh, Tim's temper tantrum. <laughs> and this is just where I get to vent a little bit on some of the things that irritate me about clients, but mostly about the courts. And here we go. So San Diego County, we have a lot of cases with San Diego County. And I'm always saying how I love how they e -file, allow e-file of their initial documents, uh, e-signatures, e-notary, the whole shot. The, uh, it's they make it very simple, and they've always allowed us to use all of the judgment forms throughout the entire process, including the for the settlement agreement. So, this time we got uh, a rejection from the court, and they said, "Hey, we we want now for this department a settlement agreement to be included in this." So, all this is forcing us to do. It's not any more difficult. It's just that the type of uh, judgment or settlement agree, settlement agreement they want. They now are preferencing preferencing preferring that it be more of an MSA style than the judgment form. So now I just have to redo this and have the clients resign and and resubmit it. But this is one of those things that I talk about that the courts are always changing the rules. They don't tell you if they're changing the rules. Sometimes it's just a new judge in the in the same department that we're getting these judgments approved time and time again, and then it's a new judge with a new policy and says I, I want this to be an MSA style. So that makes me irritated. I, ha I hate having to do things a second time. I don't like when things get rejected. Okay, next subject. Alameda County, we had filed a um, stipulation. We talked about those earlier about how to modify that. And then with that, they wanted to uh, have a spousal support earnings assignment order. So they, they purposely didn't want to have to write a check to their spouse each month for spouse support. So they wanted to have it come out of their check. So we did this spouse support earnings uh, assignment order. And in the 11 years I've been doing this, a court has never asked for a court fee to file this document. Uh, 
But apparently, Alameda does things different. They wanted 60 bucks to file this earnings assignment order. So that kind of was annoying because they don't have that on their website. All right. And the last temper tantrum of the day is we allow people to set up consultations on our website, free to access, access my calendar, find availability, and schedule a call at your convenience. What irritates the heck out of me is when and is when people no-show me. They don't have the courtesy to call or even email saying they can't make it. In fact, what they normally do, because we have so many follow-ups, so here's how the sequence goes. You schedule the consultation. You get an email notification. I have it all set up. It's all automated sequence to, to keep in touch with you. You'll get an email notification right away saying, hey, we got the booking, and here's your confirmation, and you can put it on your calendar. Then 24 hours before the here uh, before the consultation, you'll get another email. Then an hour before the consultation, you'll get another reminder, and then 15 minutes before the consultation, you'll get a text reminder. That's all automated. It's all sequenced out. So I want to make sure you remember, especially if like people uh, uh, book things on a Friday and the consultation is not till Monday. Sometimes I'll forget. So I want to make sure there's all these updates. Well, today we had someone book a consultation on Friday for 12 o'clock today. And when I called, it went straight to voicemail, called again, straight to voicemail. So I, what I think is happening, you, you're like, oh crap, I forgot, you know, to, that, that I had this uh, consultation. So people just straight out turn off their phone. So I can't get a hold of them. So they, or they'll, it'll, um, they'll uh, hit the dismiss button right away or ignore button right away. And I'll, I'll call three or four times because sometimes, you know, that maybe they're trying to get out of the office, but I know when it starts going immediately to voicemail after that, that they just straight up didn't take the call. That's like going, like not showing up to your doctor's appointment. It's like, if you, what if this was an in-person consultation? I'm sitting here waiting for you and you just don't show, you don't call. It's just kind of rude. Hope you enjoyed today's uh, Daily Perspective, episode 19. We'll talk to you tomorrow.